but Ruth has a bit of a monologue and uses Claire as kind of like a vehicle to like tell Claire who Wendy and Marty really are, like warts and all. And that was a really dope scene because it, it kind of gave Wendy's a little bit more okay with who she is, in my opinion, and the negative, you know, fucked up shit that she has done uh, throughout the series. But Marty, I believe, still saw himself as the good guy and just someone who got into the situation and is trying to get his family out. And it's like a means to an end type of thing for him. At least I feel that that's how he views himself. What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. This is episode 209 of the Spun Today podcast. And in this episode, I speak about the series finale of Ozark, one of the latest and greatest shows of recent history, in my opinion. I also speak about watching Cat Williams' latest comedy special, World War Three. I talk about a family trip to South Carolina and also add an addition to our goats doing goat shit segment. Stick around for all that good stuff. But first, before we get into the episode, please listen to a couple of ways you can help support the Spun Today podcast if you so choose. Your support means a ton. It helps me keep this thing going, motivates me to crank out additional content and might even help pay some of the bills. So here's a way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast, which would be greatly appreciated. Then we'll jump right into the show. If you want to help support the Spun Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, spuntoday.com forward slash support. Click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. The series finale of Ozark. As I detailed during episode 203 of the Spun Today podcast, if anybody wants to go back and check that one out. This fourth and final season was split into two parts. And since I recapped and reviewed part one already, again, during episode 203, I'm going to focus specifically on part two for this episode. And it was cool because we wound up getting a handful of episodes more per season than we have gotten for seasons one, two, and three. So that was a cool little bonus. But here is the official synopsis of the show, which is a financial advisor drags his family from Chicago to the Missouri Ozarks, where he must launder money to appease a drug boss. 
that's like the overarching synopsis for the series specific to the fourth season it's summarized as freedom from the cartel is seemingly within reach but fraying familial bonds may prove to be the bird's ultimate undoing and as we do here on the spun today podcast i want to shout out all the writers of the series because after all this is a writing centered podcast so if we don't shout them out here who will bill dubuque mark williams paul colesby ning zhu Martin Zimmerman, Chris Mundy, Mickey Johnson, John Sheban, Ryan Farley, Laura Dealey, Allison Feltz, Whit Anderson, David Manson, Michael M. Chang, and Jed Rap Goldstein. Shout out to all the writers of this amazing, amazing, amazing series. Now, so the first part of season four left off with Javi, the overzealous nephew of Omar Navarro, played by Felix Solis, which is the boss of the Navarro cartel. Javi, his nephew, played by Alfonso Herrera, killed Darlene Snell, played by Lisa Emery, and Wyatt Langmore, played by Charlie Tahan. And that part of the season ended with absolute breakout star of the series Ruth Langmore played by Julia Garner who's cousins with Wyatt Langmore just finding them dead and flipping the fuck out driving away screaming crying and it leaves us on that cliffhanger of what the fuck is Ruth gonna do well we find out what Ruth is gonna do early on in part two of this fourth and final season and she has in her head that she's gonna kill Javi Alessandro, who is poised to take over the Navarro cartel and be the cartel boss, which is normally a suicide mission, right? Going after the boss of a drug cartel. And they tease it happening with her, you know, imagining it, dreaming it. They show show a scene where she just walks up to him on a street in Chicago where Javi had an appointment with Marty and Wendy Bird, played by Jason Bateman and Laura Linney. And Ruth kind of just imagines herself, you know, with a hoodie walking up on on Javi, who's who's, you know, on his cell phone on the street and just shooting him dead and fleeing the scene. So they tease it that way and they show her, you know, prepping for that moment by getting a gun from Frank Cosgrove Jr., played by Joseph Sikora, which is the now head of the Kansas City mob since his father was murdered, Frank Cosgrove Sr., played by John Bedford Lloyd, was murdered by Darlene Snell. And him and Ruth have a, a bit of a history in terms of having beef, but then getting over it and kind of sort of working together on a couple of things. But she goes to him to get a gun and he kind of like talks her through it and says, you know, listen, don't think about it too much. Just go squeeze the trigger, get rid of the gun afterwards and, and come back and I'll buy you a drink. And you can tell she's still very hesitant about the whole thing, very pensive. And we as viewers are just wondering, is she actually going to do it or not? But she goes through a lot of the motions of covering her bases. She gets the gun. She switches the license plate on her truck. She drives out to Chicago, where she found out from Charlotte and Jonah Bird, played by Sophia Hublitz and Skylar Gardner, that their parents are meeting with with Javi. And she's there. She spots him. She kind of gets cold feet and doesn't do it. 
Marty spots her though across the street. Like you know, she gets out the truck. She's about to do it. She kind of like stops in the middle of the street. Cars honk at her. She like snaps out of it. Marty sees her and she goes back to the truck. And then Marty calls her without Wendy's knowledge and is kind of like, "Yeah, what the fuck? What are you doing here? What are you crazy? You know, they'll kill you." Because he picks up on you know why she's there and the mind knows the mind state that she's in with the fact that her her cousin closest relative that she had left was murdered by this guy and she says that she's gonna uh, go back and she doesn't she kind of like hangs around and follows them sees what they're up to uh, marty and wendy and winds up crashing a dinner that marty and wendy are having with the head of the pharmaceutical company claire shaw played by katrina link which marty and wendy are in bed in and have an arrangement to supply them with pure opium pure heroin so that the pharmaceutical company can in turn you know cut costs on their end for developing the drugs that they put out so ruth crashes this dinner and strong arms her way into going back to the pharmaceutical offices and telling them to call javi to make javi meet up with them and javi was interested in doing so even though it was late and kind of unorthodox because uh the purpose that they the purpose of why they met earlier that day marty wendy javi and claire was because javi wanted to get stock options in the pharmaceutical company as you know part of their agreement part of their deal so they lured javi back in under the guise of you know come meet us we have the paperwork drawn up and you know come in to sign and wendy wendy did so wendy called javi to come in even though she knew ruth wanted to kill javi because she was kind of like calling her bluff she didn't believe that ruth would actually do it and we as the viewer still didn't believe Ruth would actually do it. But sure enough, Javi walks in and before he's able to even get a sentence out, a full sentence out, Ruth just shoots him dead, which was sick. Like, what a way to start off the season. Because you kind of expected Ruth and like her character not to do that, not to go that far, you know? And what was dope about that scene before the actual pulling of the trigger is that Ruth has a little bit of a monologue. As you guys know, I'm a sucker for monologues, dialogues, any extended stretches of words being spoken, right? <laughs> Ironically, because I'm a quiet person myself, but Ruth has a bit of a monologue and uses Claire as kind of like a vehicle to like tell Claire who Wendy and Marty really are, like warts and all. And that was a really dope scene because it, it kind of gave Wendy's a little bit more okay with who she is in my opinion, and the negative, you know, fucked up shit that she has done uh, throughout the series. But Marty, I believe, still saw himself as the good guy and just someone who got into the situation and is trying to get his family out. And it's like a means to an end type of thing for him. At least I feel that that's how he views himself. But Wendy likes it. You know, she she gets off on like the power trip of it. And it's kind of seemed okay with hearing negative shit about herself but marty not so much and it was a cool scene with ruth having that monologue and them kind of having like that self-reflective uh moment then javi walks in and ruth marks him so definitely a dope scene i liked about this season also that we got to see what actually happened to ben like we knew what happened you know ben ben davis played by tom pelfrey was the brother of wendy bird and we knew that Wendy had him killed, essentially, by going out with him, saying that she was going to take him and drop him off with some friends, but kind of left him stranded at uh, a restaurant. And we knew that he died. 
thereafter, but we didn't see what happened. But in, you know, flashback scenes that they had during the season, we got to see uh, exactly what happened. And with the head hitman of the Navarro cartel, Nelson, played by Nelson Bonilla, how he picked up Ben in the restaurant after in the restaurant parking lot after Wendy left and how he took him for a ride and Ben kind of came to terms with what was happening, knew what was happening and told Nelson to let Wendy know that he wasn't mad at her. And he uh, took him out to a deserted barn, it looked like, and shot him dead. There's a new acting sheriff, Deputy Ronnie Wyckoff, played by Brad Carter. And Ruth has a, a dope line to him when she kind of, you know, he's you know playing sheriff and she like catches him up to like the real deal, like what's really going on in the town. And he's, you know, just playing catch up. And we all know that the previous sheriff that was killed by Javi, Sheriff Nix, was in Darlene Snell's pocket and was being uh, paid off. And there's a lot of corruption and stuff like that. But Ruth uh, pretty much comes in and like lays it out for Ronnie and has a dope line. And she goes about Wendy Bird. She goes, Wendy's playing chess and you're playing fucking Candyland. It was such a cool line because <laughs> I'm expecting checkers, you know, like that. Yeah, usual saying. But the fact that she used Candyland instead, it was, it was perfect. There was an interesting conversation with Marty and a priest, which is an interesting character, by the way. Uh, Omar Navarro has this confidant priest around that he like, confesses his like sins to and stuff like that. Father Benitez, played by Bruno Bashir. And he's having a conversation with Marty. And it was an interesting back and forth where... Marty's telling him that he like doesn't believe in God because he, do he doesn't believe that it's possible to love unconditionally because it's not the smartest way to be. And the priest explains to him how, asks him if he loves unconditionally and explains to Marty that love isn't transactional, that it doesn't keep score, which is hard for someone like Marty to synthesize because he's very calculating and methodical. Like everything that has a start has an end. Everything that has a plus has a minus. You know, like things have to net out in his mind. So that unconditional one-sided love doesn't make sense to him. Ironically, because he does have that and show that towards Wendy with her cheating on him. And we see that like from the beginning of the series and just like staying with her and kind of playing second fiddle to her when she starts to try to take the reins of everything that's going on, et cetera, et cetera. I was surprised by the way how Mel Saddam's character, played by Adam Rothenberg, that I spoke about during the previous episode in 203, how I felt that he was going to have a, a bigger role. And my intuition wasn't completely off there, but more on that later. But I was surprised to find out that he really just was a legit private investigator working for Helen's husband, trying to find Helen. I thought that was like a, a guise for something else. And he was just that and just happened to be really good at it. And, you know, he wasn't an, an ex-cop that was kicked out of the force because he had a drug problem. But I don't know. I felt like something was going to come up between him and his sponsor that he kept speaking to. That was kind of like a, I felt like a mysterious character, kind of like pulling some strings or something like that, but didn't exactly play out that way. I wonder if that was ever like an idea in the writer's room or something. But Marty and Wendy eventually made uh, Mel Saddam go away because he kept poking around, kept just getting too close to like certain truths and wound up bribing um, some folks within the Chicago uh, brass and getting him his job back as a cop and it's something that he had been wanting 
for years, but was it possible because, you know, he got kicked out of the forest for literally breaking into the evidence room and snorting cocaine and shit like that. And he kind of had an interesting relationship, not kind of, he had an interesting relationship with uh, special agent Maya Miller, played by Jessica Francis Dukes, who is that the righteous FBI agent that really believed in what she was doing. Um, but ultimately her higher ups were in the FBI were just as greedy as the drug cartel and were just in it for the money and allowed the Navarro cartel or made an agreement to allow the Navarro cartel to continue operating as long as like the money kept flowing and the FBI could seize certain, a certain amount of money that was being transported um, every so often. But, you know, she was good police. She believed in what she was doing. And she and Mel Saddam struck up a, a bit of a relationship. And she even told him, she was like, listen, don't take this this offer. I know it's, you know, all you wanted, but it's gonna, it's gonna kill you inside if you do. But ultimately we see that he decides to, to take it. And even though she gave him like an ultimatum of, if you take it, then it's the last time you're going to see me. And he winds up, you know, going back to Chicago and taking his cop job back. We see in this season, Marty begin to like unravel a bit from his usual stoic, calculating, completely in control demeanor. And he like breaks down and vents it to Charlotte about issues between him and Wendy. Um, we see him like lose his shit in traffic because like Wendy just kept like undermining him at every turn and just like fucking this guy up out of like road rage. Oh, you know what I forgot to mention? Um, Killer Mike has a cameo in the beginning, which was dope to see. And I love the old school hip hop like throughout this entire season. That was like the the backdrop and um, it aided in like the flashbacks of how, you know, it, it was what Wyatt and Ruth used to like to listen to. We get some Pac, we get some Nas, Illmatic, a ton of goodies. So that was definitely dope, dope to, to hear and to kind of like set the stage in the mood for what we were seeing throughout the season. Ruth had so many dope lines uh, throughout the entire series, but definitely in this season. Um, another one that I liked was when Ruth was speaking to Wendy about Wendy's father and she goes, poor fucker, didn't know what he spawned. <laughs> speaking about Wendy. <laughs> What else? I'm just going through a couple notes here. Wendy is a master manipulator and she just wants to like control everyone and everything around her. Marty apparently loves her unconditionally, putting up with all that shit. What was crazy throughout this uh, season as well is that Marty uncovers that the sister of Omar Navarro, Camila Alessandro, played by Veronica Falcon, which is the mother of Javi, that overzealous uh, nephew that, that was killed by Ruth. She also wants to take over the cartel and she was doing things like with the some of the cartel lieutenants and trying to undermine her brother a bit and you know obviously she's upset her son got killed but she's also like vying for power and the birds try to play her against navarro ultimately do in getting rid of navarro who, who thinks he's <coughs> being helped to escape um to flee back to mexico but they helped him escape so they can kill him and essentially Camila took over and it was just a very suspenseful they did a, a great job in writing like the tension between the three and like that power dynamic between Navarro between Javi between Camila and just like all intertwined and figuring out who's going to come out on top and who's going to be running shit who's going to be okay with what so the writers definitely did a great job in terms of building that tension and suspense there was a cool scene with Ruth where she goes to visit this guy in jail who the cops the local cops are about to peg the the Snell and Wyatt murder on 
um, because they found Wyatt's guitar in the guy's car. And he was a guy that used to do some like odd jobs for Darlene. And, you know, he stole a few things, but he wasn't obviously the guy that, that killed them. It was Javi. But Ruth goes to visit him. I guess it's, you know, like weighing on her conscience that, you know, she knows that this is not the guy that killed him. But she just wanted to, quote, put eyes on him, like she said. And she asks him why he stole the guitar. That That's all she wants to know. Why, you know, he stole her cousin's guitar. The guy just responds, for drugs, bitch. What the fuck does anybody steal anything? <laughs> just the way he said that, I just found it like so fucking hilarious. For drugs, bitch. And then Ruth winds up through this technicality inheriting all of Darlene Snell's fortune. And, you know, she was like the local heroin, you know, poppy seed grower, heroin seller. She had a lot of money and she married Wyatt, which is Ruth's cousin. And since she didn't have any any kin, Wyatt was technically the inheritor of the fortune. And since he didn't have any more family, it technically went to to Ruth. Um, and it was kind of cool. You know, obviously Ruth's entire world was obliterated and turned upside down as soon as she met Marty. And episode after episode, season after season, we see her grow, but also like lose everybody around her, everybody in her life, all her her friends and family and her father, her uncle, her cousin, everybody gets killed. And it's cool to see her get like this small victory, this small win, you know, this windfall of, of cash and in doing so, she like starts to like build a dream home that her and Wyatt used to joke around about building next to the lake where they lived in the the trailer the trailer park when they were kids, you know, growing up, and they were fantasized about being rich. And she actually started doing it, and that was pretty cool to see. It was also dope to see her get a win over Marty intellectually with performing a hostile takeover of the casino which was Marty's main hub of laundering money. And Darlene Snell had a stake in it, which was now, you know, routed to, to Ruth's uh, ownership. And she was ultimately able to finagle away to become a majority owner and fuck Marty over in that way in not allowing him to, to launder there anymore. So it was cool to see that her get that victory over Marty in like his space, you know what I mean? And in this season, there's this whole arc with Wendy and her dad coming to town to try to uh, with his church group and trying to help look for his son who disappeared and you know uh, Ben and nobody knows exactly what happened to him and a lot of their issues uh, get revealed and Ruth and Wendy actually have a, a rare bonding moment over you know having shitty dads basically but he comes into town and he tries to uh, take Wendy's kids away from her and he ultimately succeeds in it because um, the judge rules that it's ultimately their decision because they're old enough etc especially Charlotte she's about to be 18 and the kids decide to to move with the grandfather which just like kind of breaks Wendy because that it's finally something that she can't control and she hasn't been able to and then we come to the end of the show where you know these characters that you're rooting for Cause like Marty Bird's character is so fucking likable, and that's a testament to Jason Bateman as an actor. But you're still rooting, you know, he's doing technically this evil shit, fucking laundering for a drug cartel, and in his mind justifying it because if not, he and his family die, right? And again, it's like that means to an end type of thing. But he's doing illegal shit that's getting people killed, right? Um, but even so, you're still rooting for him to get away with it in a sense. 
and you see like all the corruption around this amount of money and this this underworld that exists you know even on the quote-unquote good side with the, the fbi being on the take and you root for him you root for ruth you want everything to work out you root for his family his kids wendy less so in my you know for me <laughs> but even for her you want to see if she like pulls off the whole like political power play that she's pulling and shout out by the way to the dude that plays their their lawyer he's kind of like the the fixer jim rattlesdorf played by damien young great character but they seemingly pull every single thing off. They're gonna get away with it all. They're gonna have Camila in place, Navarro's dead, they had their foundation going, all the donors came to the table, which was something that they were trying to pull off from like the beginning of the season. Ruth is good, you know, she inherited all her money. She's running the casino, she gets to stay in the town that she you know, grew up in and kind of be like a big fish in a small pond, which her character seemed to be comfortable with. The birds were gonna move back to Chicago. Everything was perfect. Then Camila at this very ritzy fundraising event intimidates Claire Shaw, the pharmaceutical rep, and asks her in front of the birds who really killed her son, Javi. Claire folds like a fucking napkin and tells her everything, says it was Ruth. And Camila threatens all of them there at the table and says if any of them interfere or let Ruth know that she knows that she'll kill them all basically and, you know marty has always had this uh protective thing over ruth and looking out for her and shit but obviously not more so than the lives of his family and himself and ultimately we see camila catching up with ruth and killing her which sucked that was just hard to take it was like fuck and it's like all the langmores i think three three's the only one left <laughs> three langmore i guess he inherits everything but fucking Langmores in that town just had horrible fucking luck and Ruth was like the the heart or the soul of that show you know what I mean it was, it was tough to see her not get that win but at the same time it was a, a good tie out to the show it's like everybody couldn't get a, away with everything you know what I mean then the birds get back home and Mel Saddam shows up again this is what I said I was going to circle back to and figured everything out everything about Ben what was going on with Ben, the fact that his ashes were in that goat cookie jar. He has his little monologue and putting everything out on the table and saying how now he, with that, you know, he broke into their house. He, he took the, the urn that Ben's ashes were in and said, you know, there's enough evidence in there to piece everything together. And he has this really dope line that, that where he tells them, you don't get to be the Cokes or the Kennedys or whatever fucking royalty you think you are. The world doesn't work that way. <coughs> and into that, Wendy just responds, since when? Which was a gangster fucking response, not for nothing. <laughs> and then Jonah comes out with his rifle and you hear a shot get fired and everything go dark. And just makes it seem that, you know, Jonah kills Mel after Marty kind of gives him the okay. He's like, yeah, get rid of this nigga. And they ultimately become this murderers you know the everything they were trying to get away from and like building and plotting and scheming to like a means to an end type of thing they became just that but they'd get away with that at least that's how the series ended and I just want to give a round of applause because what a fucking fantastic fantastic fucking show highly highly recommended 
for anybody who hasn't watched it please do it was such a dope show one of the best shows i've seen in in a long time and i would also recommend for those of you that like uh behind the scenes like type of things there is a 30 minute farewell to ozark which was really really cool to watch so i highly recommend you guys check that out as well ozark series finale check it out Cat Williams' new comedy special, World War Three. I checked this one out. I saw it was available on Netflix. Streaming now. Check it out if you're interested. Mainly out of a bit of nostalgia. I haven't seen Cat Williams in a while. Last time I saw him in anything was in Atlanta, which I haven't started the new season, by the way. I'm ashamed to say. I need to start that ASAP. I'm really looking forward to it. But the good thing is that I get to binge it, so that's a plus. But I hadn't seen him in terms of stand-up in a while. But I was a bit nostalgic for Pimp Chronicles Part 1, which, in my opinion, is one of the best stand-up comedy specials of all time. Definitely a top, I don't want to say like top five, in my opinion, but it's such an amazing laugh out loud, you're going to laugh throughout most of it, comedy special. Just Cat Williams and one, what he, he was able to do with his mannerisms and just his style of comedy and word choice was just so fucking hilarious for uh, Pimp Chronicles. So I hadn't seen Cat in a while. Pimp Chronicles too, less less so. I didn't like that one as much. Um, but yeah, based on that, I decided to give this one a whirl and check it out. World War Three, And it was good. I enjoyed it. Definitely not Pimp Chronicles. You know what I mean? When you do something that iconic, it's like, like Chasing the Dragon as they say as like heroin addicts say like you can never recreate that first high at least in my opinion but um but definitely definitely worth the watch there were a few funny ass takeaways that i got from it when he was speaking about politics and talking about the transition from trump to biden and he was like what are you supposed to do when both sides are the dumb side <laughs> you know what i mean like before i guess within the liberal entertainment bubble that a lot of us are in we always viewed the republican side as the quote-unquote dumb side right the liberals are like the elite smart educated side quote-unquote you know and especially during like the bush era he didn't help that team that much <laughs> um but he does say that he's like what are you supposed to do on both sides of the fucking dumb side which i think is a testament to the times that we're living in and how available information is and how the veil with how how do i say it with how not just how available information is, but how how much we've been able to see behind the curtain of how the people really are, how things really get made, and what's possible with folks like Trump being able to become president, and how the politicians that are in place on both sides are not necessarily these like altruistic, benevolent folks on the Democratic and Republican sides that want the best for people. You know, some of them are scumbag pieces of shit looking out for themselves. One could argue a lot of them are, but with how ubiquitous phones <clears throat> and cameras and technology have become and how open folks have been with sharing themselves and interviews and podcasts, we get to see more and more of how the sausage is actually made. And that's definitely a testament to some folks seeing the faults on both sides instead of just being confined within their right or left leaning bubble and being able to sit there and be like, wait, what? you motherfuckers are doing and saying isn't right either and what they're saying is not all the way right it's like what the fuck i digress 
and he added that aside from both sides being the quote-unquote dumb side he was like we went from trump to biden none of us wanted either but it was like we just didn't want what we had last time that's how we chose the president it was like we had this this time we want something different this time and within the politics vein he had uh, this hilarious joke this hilarious bit where he was speaking about uh, biden and how he was like he doesn't he doesn't like how people are are get pissed at biden about you know when you're gonna wake up joe you know sleepy joe like that whole thing and he was like you knew who he was when you voted him in and hired him for the fucking job when you hired grandpa for the job he's 96 motherfucking years old you knew damn well that joe wasn't gonna be the sharpest in you know every single press conference etc cetera, etc cetera. and then he like kept on with this bit and every time he would mention um biden's age he would tack on a year so it just made the bit like funnier and funnier so he started off at 96 and he's like you know he says blah blah, blah, blah et cetera, et cetera. then he's like this man is 97 damn years old what the hell do you expect and you know goes on and on and on and then he he adds again this man is 98 damn years old what the heck do you and he just keeps on like tacking on the year <laughs> it is that, that was like my favorite bit of, of the special it's definitely hilarious and then um uh, kind of like a throwaway line that he had of something completely unrelated he was speaking about drugs was how he's speaking in terms of meth and he was like that there's no other drug that makes your fucking teeth itch <laughs> and i just thought that was a, a funniest concept but yeah man it was definitely worth a watch if you're a cat williams fan definitely check it out don't raise your expectations as high as pimp chronicles one but again that's i want to underscore the fact that that's like unrealistic to do so anyway because that's like just such an iconic special but it's definitely worth a watch cat williams world war three streaming now on netflix check it out south carolina shout out to south carolina man there's a spot in myrtle beach that my wife and i love we years ago we went on a road trip to florida and along the way i think i'm, I'm pretty sure i spoke about it on the podcast but along the way we stopped in savannah georgia wanted to go to this great soul food spot that was like famous and always has like lines around the block called the wilkes house which is amazing and i just found out by the way I, I was like walking around and there's actually photos of this on my website spontay.com forward slash photography my little photography section and it was such like a beautiful like scenic town in savannah with like a bunch of like weeping willows i think that's what they're called like the trees that look like weeping willows i guess i don't know how to explain them but um and there was like a park nearby and i was just like we were you know waiting online for a while and i took my camera and i was just like walking around a few blocks and just like taking pictures Well, my wife and sister-in-law and brother-in-law stayed online because whatever i like taking pictures of like uh, landscape scenery like stuff like that and they later found out that the bench that Forrest Gump is on when he's like telling his story to the folks waiting for the bus of you know the entire movie of Forrest Gump was a few blocks away from the Wilkes house where we were and I was in this little park like taking pictures and I'm not sure and there's like a couple parks around there so I either took pictures of that same exact park or it was like a like an adjacent park like a block away um, but it was so cool that that's what it was. And I, it looked familiar from the movie and, you know, I didn't recognize it then, but I saw like the, how this got made, uh, for Forrest Gump. And they mentioned how they shot a lot of it in Savannah, Georgia, especially that scene, et cetera. Then I looked it up and I looked up the, like the address to the Wilkes house and, 
uh, the address to the park where it was shot and it was like literally three or four blocks away and that's what I walked when I was like walking around just like taking pictures of stuff so I thought that was a pretty cool takeaway but anyway in the initial road trip years ago we planned it out we stopped uh, in Savannah Georgia we stopped in uh, Philadelphia Pennsylvania we saw the Rocky Steps and statue and the Liberty Bell and we went to Florida we went to Disney on the way back uh, stopped in Virginia um, but one of our stops was South Carolina and it was just like a, a two-day stay in Myrtle Beach and we happened to pick this location and just fell in love with it then and like we vowed to like go back every year and my wife and I have been um, with the exception of like the pandemic times and this was our I thought fifth but I think fourth time back and we just love it there shout out to North Beach Plantation if anybody's interested it's a dope spot it's like an enclosed resort where you can either stay in the hotel or rent the villa which is essentially just a house like on the resort property and there's like five or six different pools throughout the resort there's even houses like if you have a, a big you know you can rent houses that's anything from like or the villas that's anything from like a one bedroom to like a five bedroom with a, its own private pool and elevator and like wild shit and everything in between <coughs> and the property's like right there on the beach and everything is nearby there's you know places to eat nearby there's a ice cream shop across the street there's a walmart there's an outlet it's just a, a dope getaway dope a little vacation that we that we like to do and it was our first time going back we went once when my oldest son was one which wasn't too bad it was you know both of us and and him and this time was the first time that we're going uh with two kids and it was my youngest first time on a plane my uh oldest aiden's uh first time not it was second time on a plane but first time knowing that he's on a plane because before he was one you know you don't know what the hell was going on which is the situation grayson was in this time but they're both troopers made it there and aiden started getting a bit of a fever after we got there you know we did the tylenol and you know his nose was running and stuff like that grayson was fine but it just like wouldn't go away <clears throat> and we wound up uh, the next day i think the second day that we were there i wound up uh, finding an urgent care taking aiden and he wound up having a sinus infection possible ear infection and he had to give him antibiotics then the next day Grayson started showing symptoms and we had to take him so we spent <laughs> during our, our week long trip there two days in in the urgent care with the kids and then staying home um which was fine because you know we were at the adult like little villa and the kids had fun just like playing and running around the house and stuff like that but then after that uh scare uh with them because like especially with grace and his fever like they almost sent us to the er because it was they thought it was like 105 uh it came up in one of the readings and then it went down to 102 and it was just like touch and go with him um both of them had pink eye as well you know it was just a you know a lot to deal with with, with them sick and being on vacation and stuff like that but we made the most of it we were able to go to the beach a couple times uh to the pool a couple times and just like out with them and and you know trying to relax and stuff you know unplug from the normal rat race then we get to you know we're finally heading home and we get to the airport we check in we go to the gate and we are approaching the gate you know i stop at one of those little kiosks to buy buy some water and stuff the girl is checking us out she's like oh where are you guys from we're like oh uh new york and she's like wait are you guys on the flight uh I think that flight got canceled to New York. 
and i was like you know i'm listening to her i'm like we just checked in literally like a couple minutes ago i'm just like you know she she's like a, a teenage girl working at the kiosk i kind of i was kind of like yeah okay all right yeah sure i'll i'll check it out i'll ask somebody or whatever i'm like there's no way right like we literally just checked in they would have told us at the fucking check-in or called us or something you know like i never had a flight canceled before so i wasn't sure exactly how that worked uh but i kind of like blew her off but i was like hopefully she's wrong or maybe it was another flight to somewhere else in new york and then we go to the gate i look at the the display it does show canceled we go to the information that she explains to us um what to do we just basically you know go downstairs and ask them at the counter what's going on <laughs> and um long story short our fucking flight got canceled after we were at the gate and you know we're checked out of our hotel obviously gave back the rental car that that we had and so we're stranded in south carolina nowhere to stay at the airport have to get our bags back which had already again been checked in then go to the car rental place and unless you had her in an existing reservation already all the cars were taken all the cars are booked um so i'm calling nearby hotels so we can uber it i called our you know where we were staying before but there was a minimum of like a two-night stay it was super expensive you couldn't just do like a one-nighter and i found a hotel nearby that we were able to do a one-nighter wound up booking it and ubering it there um because the the next flight that they could get us out was either at midnight to tennessee no actually it was like a couple hours later like three three hours later or something like that to three or four hours later to tennessee and then a connecting flight to, to laguardia and that would get us to new york like at midnight or one o'clock in the morning something like that or just wait to for the next day um and take a flight directly to laguardia so we decided to do that which sucked again especially with the kids sick and on antibiotics and stuff like that and you know having to uh scramble last minute but i guess it's a part of the charm of the story now right of the the memory of going to south carolina for the first time with the kids and shout out also to care now the urgent care there in myrtle beach around where we were staying and dr saunders and his staff which were absolutely amazing big big shout out to them and definitely check out north beach plantation if you guys ever go to the myrtle beach south carolina area i highly recommend it goats doing goat shit this is a segment where we highlight just that goats greatest of all time within their respective fields just doing goat shit comedian actor and i guess now you can tack on mogul kevin hart just inked a hundred million dollar deal shout out to kevin hart now kevin hart has built up uh, a few companies around his you know stand-up and acting career one of which being heartbeat productions and another is the lol network laugh out loud network now they're both his companies right and this investment of 100 million dollars from rb partners is contingent on both of those companies merging into one and forming the single heartbeat and now this hundred million dollar investment this is the best part it's not like buying out his company for a hundred million dollars which would have been you know dope in and of itself it's for a 15 percent stake in his company so that hundred million dollars buys rb partners a 15 percent stake of kevin hart's company that gets them a 15 percent stake of being the kevin hart business 
Kevin Hart still owns the majority, the other 85%. And that 15% stake, that $100 million invested by RB Partners, values Kevin Hart's company at $650 million. Shout out again to Kevin Hart. In this episode segment of Goats Doing Goat Shit. And that, folks, is episode 209 of the Sponsor Today podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed putting them out there for you to listen. But if not, then kick rocks and go find another show to listen to. I'm just doing my best here, folks. Now, but in all honesty, I appreciate the fuck out of each and every one of you that take the time to listen to this show. Thank you very much for listening to episode 209. And I hope you stick around for a couple more minutes just to listen to a few great ways you can help support this show if you so choose. It helps me keep it going. It helps me crank out more episodes. It helps me create more content. It helps me free up time to write more and put out more books for you guys to read. And I have some cool merch and stuff to pick up if you guys are interested. So it's a win-win. Either way, stick around and thank you in advance for your support. Peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways you can help support this show. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors in all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section where you can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies, if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel, titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today, and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full length episodes, 
but you'll also get to check out some chopped up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Spun Today newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week. And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week so that you can step up your vocab. Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you'll get the very next one. If you want to help support the Spun Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, spuntoday.com forward slash support, click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find the five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy.